Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. There is a trend in Christianity to try to come up with a nicer, newer, cleaner, easier, and more convenient altar. But that altar is the cross. It is Christ, and it has not changed. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. Hey, I'm so glad you could be with me for this time. We've been talking about embracing the supernatural. We've particularly been looking at the flow of miracles in Elijah's ministry. And we spent a little bit of time talking about his confrontation with the prophets of Baal. So I want to jump right into that in verse 30 in 1 Kings 18. Uh, you know, this is after the Obadiah, Ahab, the confrontation, getting the prophets all there. Now the miracle is actually going to take place. But verse 30 is very significant. It's something I think I've read past many times and never quite caught. But I want you to hear this in verse 30. It says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. Now this is after the prophets of Baal have cut themselves and rolled around and Elijah's mocked them. So now he's ready to see the Lord answer from heaven with fire. He says, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. I think that's really significant. He did not create a new altar. He went back to the altar that had been torn down, that had been neglected, where sacrifices were no longer going on. I think there's a message here and that he's trying to communicate that God has not changed. Elijah did not come with a new message. He did not come with a new idea. He did not come with a new concept of God. If anything, he said, the things that you know as a nation, as a people, that, that are history, that have been told to you by your fathers and your grandfathers, these are all true, and he rebuilt the altar. I think there is a trend in Christianity to come up with a nicer, newer, cleaner, easier, more convenient altar. But Elijah is going to stake his reputation and the miracle he's expecting on the fact that he is building, he is repairing the old altar, that there is an altar that is good enough. Of course, that altar is the cross now. That altar is Christ. That is fulfilled in him, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't want you to miss that. When I really saw that for the first time, it really stirred my heart. Then in verse 31, it said, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribe of Israel. I think we touched on this in one other podcast briefly, but Elijah was reminding them that they had an identity, that they had a purpose, that God didn't just want to intervene and help their individual lives, that God had a mandate on them as a nation. And that mandate was to have a conquest in that land to be an example to other nations. And so whatever miracle was going to happen, it was connected to that great commission, to that great conquest. And I, I think that's something that's real important for us. When we're believing God for things in our life, for things in our nation, for things in our church, our family, whatever it may be, that we are 
intuitively and instinctively connecting the dots is God just doesn't want a personal intervention. He wants to personally intervene to make me a part, to make this situation a part of what he's doing in all the earth. So those are those are critical things. Then we get to verse 34, and this is where it really starts happening. And and he of course he digs the trench around his around the altar, you know, and now he's gonna get uh, some of the spectators involved. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And he did it a third time. So much so that the water flowed around the altar and filled up the trench with water. What is Elijah doing? Elijah is showing them that when God wills to do something, when there's a miracle in the offering, the little water is not going to stop it. He takes away any speculation, you know, that he's kind of, uh, you know, dunked this stuff in anointing oil and it's going to be easy to light with fire. He says, drench it once, drench it twice, drench it three times. He fills the little moat up, the little trench around the offering so that there's nothing that can be accused of this miracle that's going about, about to happen. And, and let me just say this. The greatest enemy of real miracles are pretend miracles. The greatest enemy of real supernatural manifestation is faking it. Uh, you know, I've, I've been around the block a few times, and I've seen a lot of people fall down when they get prayed for, and I really got to wonder how many of those people were really knocked down by God and how many of them just fell down out of conditioned, charismatic responses? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I think the percentages are not real good. I've seen people, I believe, really knocked down by God on a few occasions. I mean, knocked down. And then I've seen a lot of people just fall down. Uh, I think that sometimes we want something to happen so bad, we help make it happen. Here, Elijah is saying, I'm not going to help make this happen. Either God answers from heaven by fire, or I'm a dead prophet, basically. That's what he's saying. And a, a, a ton of water, a gallon of water, 500 gallons of water isn't going to make a difference. God is who he is, and I don't need to give this a push, so to speak, God is going to make it happen. And then and then he goes on in verse 36. He says, At that time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Now what does he say? O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Notice how he represents God. He's the generational God. He's the God that's connected to history, and he's the God that's connected to the future, and he's the God that is living right now. But he falls back on Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known that you are God in Israel, that you are still God, though you've been forgotten, though they're worshiping all these false gods and these kings think they're God. Remind them who is really God and that I am your servant. <laughs> well, again, he's put himself on the line here. One of the, the prevalent things you see about miracles in the Bible is there's almost always a man and a woman who is completely out there on the ledge, and they're going to look like a fool if this thing doesn't come to pass. 
they're certainly going to have some explaining to do. Okay? Uh, that doesn't mean you can just act like a fool and get a miracle. But what it does mean is that usually miracles don't happen unless there's a bunch of skeptics saying this is never going to happen. And a lot of times those skeptics are within the walls of the church. And he said that I have done all that you've asked me to do and that you're going to honor my word. In other words, my words are your words. I'm thinking about Samuel, who, who the Bible says, none of his words fell to the ground because God was with him. I want you to see the interweaving of the supernatural, not just the manifestation, but what is happening kind of behind the scenes and kind of the heart and the attitude we should carry. And even a litmus test for what is really a miracle and where did God really intervene, you know? Was that a bunch of dry sticks and, you know, somebody happened to have a match? No, this was a bunch of wet, soggy meat. This was a bunch of wet, soggy kindling. And God struck from heaven. And then he says in 37, Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know you are the Lord God and that you have not turned your heart back again. Oh, and that you have, excuse me, turned your heart back again. So he wants them to see the, the ultimate intention of this miracle is he wants them to see that God hasn't changed that his heart is toward them and that they can respond. And then the fire fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. That's a miracle. When the stones get pulverized into dust, that's a miracle. And licked up the water that was in a trench. So the fire comes and totally consumes everything. There is nothing left there. There's like some ashes. It's like a giant poof that happened, okay? And there's nothing left. Then when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When we embrace the supernatural, we put ourselves out there. When we embrace the supernatural, we're not afraid to let it be credible. And that means of pouring water on it then we're going to pour the water in it so God will get all the glory. And we won't be afraid to challenge the false prophets. God wants to show himself alive. God wants to remind people who he is. And I believe God wants to do that in our generation. And the first thing we do to start that happening is to testify about who God is. Show what he's done in our life. Believe God for a miracle when we're praying and ministering to people that something great is going to happen because God is good and God is great. Hey, we have our winter leadership conference coming up in Orlando. Uh, what a great opportunity to get away. First week in February, you can go to nrpastors.com and check it out there. But I'd like to invite you to come if you're hungry for fellowship and great ministry and a time together. What an opportunity. I'd encourage you to take advantage of it. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Today, Keith continued his discussion on embracing the supernatural. God wants to show himself alive. God wants to remind people who he is. God has not changed. What is our part in that? 
We need to testify who God is, show what He has done in our lives, and believe God for a miracle when praying and ministering to people. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.